Talking football with Rob Daniels and Vince Tracy. Talking football. So, very good day. Welcome to our podcast. The date is the 13th of April 2023. Okay, so our weather is just a little different today. It's a bit strange, really, because yesterday was stinking hot. It was up in the 30s. And uh, today is certainly back to reality. Um, I would imagine we're up about, I don't know, probably about 20. So you can't grumble. I'm sure somebody will be grumbling, but uh, at 20, it's not bad. Let me just go about an hour to the west of me down to Plaza San Juan and find out uh, how Rob is today. So, Rob, a very good day. Welcome to you. And what's your weather like? Yeah, good morning, Vince. Good morning, everybody. Well, I was complaining a bit yesterday because it was very hot, wasn't it? Yesterday it was like the middle of summer, and yes, yesterday evening um, it didn't seem to get any cooler. But um, got, got up this morning, and it's a beautiful spring day. I, I prefer it when it's about twenties, uh, the early twenties. I don't like it when it gets too hot. Um, but uh, yeah, complete change from yesterday. But I prefer it like this good day today. Yeah. Okay. Well, as ever, we've got stacks to look at, and we're going to start off by looking at uh, what we'll call value for money. Uh, this was an article I picked up, and um, it was basically telling us the fact that Brentford are the Premier League club overachieving. This is obviously looking at, um, you know, how much people have paid for their players and what they're getting back. And the most, uh, well, the, the, the highest underachievers have got to be Liverpool first. And they are s- citing Chelsea, but at least Chelsea are still in the Champions League um, quarterfinal stage. So we'll be looking at that in a second or two. Uh, but we're looking at the wage bills in the latest accounts, remembering that the likes of Mo Salah gets £345,000 a week and he can't even hit uh, the goals when it comes to taking a penalty. It's twice running now, uh, which has got to be a reflection on the manager as well for, for allowing him to take the blessed penalty. Anyway, uh, top flight teams had until the end of March to file uh, their accounts for the previous 12 months, which essentially covers the 2021 22 season obviously weird times anyway um these figures have been collected via company's house information and also from football finance expert kieran mcguire now uh, i'll get to rob now to um confirm to us that brighton seem to be the best of those who are really uh, heading in the brentford direction so uh Tell us about Brighton. What have you got for us on that one? Well, Brighton, um, if you, when you look for um, things such as value for money per player, um, the amount of points they've scored and everything like that, and the team as a whole, Brighton um, come on top. They uh, they about twice as effective as Man United. Um, it, it, there's all sorts of different sort of. Um, information available and it's, it don't, doesn't always coincide uh, exactly but basically Brighton are twice as much as effect, twice as much as effective per head uh, um, of player than Man United are and they're very close to United in the uh, league table aren't they so Brighton at, at the moment cost as the best value for money team um, for the club itself and as you mentioned Brent, Brentford I, met, I read something this was going back a few months now where before before Cristiano Ronaldo um, left Man United um, so it is slightly old news but it's still fairly relevant I think is that the entire Brentford wages bill was about the same was slightly um, less than Cristiano's personal wage um, every week and um, I mean that, that's the sort of disparity you get these smaller clubs such as Brentford who um, they, they spent 30 million euros um, this this season on transfers so far, which is a lot of money, 
that it's not a lot of money when you consider that um, just sort of Chelsea Chelsea spent two hundred ninety one point six five million pounds. Um, so there's a lot of difference between thirty million and uh, nearly three hundred million, isn't there? Well, I'm looking and at um, who's, who's, who's in the better position in the table. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm looking at the um, uh, Frank Lampard side having a wage bill of three hundred and thirty three million million pounds, mm. the fourth highest in the league, as per the accounts from last year. But they're now eleventh. Uh, after a dismal season, giving them a minus seven. But I mean, some of these statistics, I think, uh, are very interesting, but they're going too deep um, in some of these ways that they're looking at them. They're they're reading for Liverpool uh, down in eighth position, despite having the second highest spend on wages of 330. Thirty-six million pounds. Um, you see, the, the the ridiculous thing is that if you're talking about that sort of money, uh, pay, paying for players uh, to underachieve, then you know you're going exactly in the direction I've been talking about for donkey's years. This money is absolutely ludicrous. To expect people, I'm talking in particular of Mo Salah, uh, people might wonder why uh, I criticise him. I'm a Liverpool fan, but I think before I even go to football, I'm a fan of common sense. And when you look at somebody getting £345,000 for a week's playing football, um, I don't really consider anything justifies that sort of figure nothing for me i mean by um by the way that most people are living so if we take an average wage all right let me take spain because we've got plenty of english people and british people living in spain our average is probably about twenty thousand pounds for an average family i would think um and even having said that that probably could be high um, depending on, obviously, your uh, pension status or whether or not you've got children, married, all that sort of stuff, um, I would think uh, a, a Spanish family might be averaging nearer, say, fourteen or, or even down to 12,000 because I know I've spoken to people who are happy if they get a £1,000 net coming in. So, of course... If we say it's net, then we've got to look at a higher figure for um, the the tax that will be paid. But uh, do you, you understand where I'm coming from, don't you, Rob? Oh, yes, Vince. Sorry. Now, as you know, I've lived in Spain for uh, many, many years now, as have you. And um, the uh, unfortunately, Spain, if we use Spain as an example, Spain isn't a cheap country to live in anymore. Um, a lot of things, If, if I haven't been back to the UK for a few years now, but... Uh, I do whenever I go anywhere else. I sort of compare supermarket prices, which uh, I think a lot of people do. Um, and it's cheaper. If you go to a place like Morrison's, big supermarket in, in the UK, for example, and they have all these three for three, three for ten pound deals where you get big sort of trays of meat and everything. Um, it's cheap. It's Esperanza and I, when we were last in England, um, living there for a while. Our weekly spend, if you like, um, I, I don't keep track of it that much, but she keeps track of it more. But we were spending a lot less and eating a lot better. Uh, well, we are eating better because we eat well here. But we, we were spending a lot less um, in the UK than what we have to spend in Spain. And uh, the wages just don't compensate for it. So, yes, uh, it's it's not as easy to live in Spain as, uh, as people think it is. OK, um, so we, we've been talking at uh, just people living in and living standards and how much we've got to spend. But the comparison to go to uh, another statistic that they're putting into the football statistics is that both Liverpool and Chelsea have had to spend £8.5 million for each point they've earned each point they've earned in the league table. Now, you see, uh, you're looking again at Brendan Rodgers' side, Leicester. Uh, All nice teams to watch, and we all enjoy watching the football. But uh, when you look at the wages that are being paid for this, I've said for many years now, my uh, feeling is that we are all being 
um, entertained as a sort of freak show, sideshow, which masks what's really going on in ordinary people's lives. And so uh, whilst it's very nice to talk about uh, my football team and your football team and, and all these things, um, you think then, how does this relate to ordinary people? Well, let me tell you a rather little silly thing, but it's something that happened yesterday. Um, twice it happened to me. I'd put on my, uh, I've got a nice shirt, which is a Valencia Football Club shirt. Um, and basically, it was uh, given to me by one of my sons as a present for a birthday. And I like the shirt. It's nice and plain. It doesn't have all the, you know, too much stuff on it. Um, but I was going into a, a car park to put my money in. And this guy immediately related to the shirt. And we both agreed that uh, Valencia's very, very difficult position down the bottom of La Liga table is probably caused by the owner living in another country not giving uh, a fig about the way the people of Valencia are trying to support their football team. I thought that was strange in the car park, but there we are in Mercadona, the supermarket, which is a bit like, uh, would you say Tesco for the sake of a comparison? And there's a little kid. He must have been only oh, about... Oh, oh, well, Walmart, maybe, for our American <laughs> listeners. Would that be accurate, Vince? Yeah, I think it would be. But, I mean, there was a little kid, and he must have been about, say, seven or eight. And he was pointing at his dad and talking to his dad about me wearing a Valencian football shirt. I also had a Canadian um, uh, cap on, so, you know, I suppose the two were quite <laughs> difficult to equate. Well, but, lad was completely confused, probably, with him speaking Spanish with a, with a Scouse accent. Yeah. <laughs> Who's this man? <laughs> but you can... You know, um, what, we're, what we're trying to do here is we're trying to show you the relativity of football extravagance and the persons that go round ordinary places doing ordinary things and wanting their teams to do well. Now, we've spoken long and hard many times, Rob, about the fact that we used to all sit down at the same time on a Saturday afternoon. There is a percentage that will still be able to do that because the football will still allow us to watch a few of the matches together uh, with OK, um, uh, an Arabic um, uh, hoardings board or a Chinese advert going round whilst, uh, you know, we're trying to sort of uh, make head or tail of the football. And uh, realistically, for me, I am keeping my feet on the ground by telling you that in my humble opinion, uh, maybe I don't work too well with the word humble, but, you know, with a humble, uh, honest appraisal of one man, and I keep coming back to Mo, but we've also got R uh, Ronaldo at half a million with Manchester United and uh, Haaland uh, able to earn about one and a half million uh, if he manages to score a goal, which he's paid to do in the first place. Let's not be stupid about it. Let's not. Um, well, it do doesn't work the other way. If they don't score, they don't get penalised. So Mo Salah has this stupid grin on his face after missing his second penalty. And the thought went through my mind, who's paying him to miss these penalties? Because uh, Liverpool must be mugs to be paying him £345,000 and he doesn't even seem interested in scoring a penalty. Uh, I'm sure he is, by the way, but that's the average person's perception when we get annoyed and cross with the television screen showing us what our football team isn't letting us do. Uh, don't forget, Rob, we've got to play each other on Monday, so we will be talking about uh, football in another way next week. <laughs> yeah. Are you with me on this? Yes, yes, I'm with you, I'm with you entirely on this, Vince. Um, I mean, Mo Salah, I, I went out to watch a few matches over the weekend and um, I, was, I was watched the Liverpool match uh, live. And um, it, it's the second one he missed, isn't it? At most hard. second penalty, he's actually missed the goal. Um, both going off to the left-hand side. This was slightly closer than the next one, so next time he might get it a bit, a bit closer to the goal. Might hit but, the post. Um, it, it, unbelievable, really. I mean, and he, he cost. He it could have changed that to some potentially match-changing um, goal, wouldn't it? Uh, match result changing. Well, and he didn't seem bothered in the slightest. I I was. 
really disappointed. And then, of course, when I'm picking up this article, which I think was on the BBC website, um, about the wages and the performance... Um, you know, I, uh, I used to work as a business manager. You've been a business manager as well. As far as my business uh, side was um, related, I had to work out the bonuses uh, and the targets for people. And I used to work out the targets and I'd try and make sure everybody had a fur crack of the whip to earn money. Um, these people aren't having a fur crack of the whip. What they're doing is they're being awarded a lottery win every week of their lives. And don't give me this nonsense about they only have a short uh, career. We all have short careers. Whatever we all do, we maybe can't um, be professional footballers, but when we played football, we had the same amount of years that the footballers have. Um, yes, they do train well. Yes, they do eat well. Yes, they do have all these statistics and everything else. But we're losing a little bit of reality. So together, uh, we'll we'll maybe approach a bit of reality if we move yeah. down a division or, or uh, and find out really what's been going on with this um, business of uh, points and being deducted from um, Peterborough. What's happening with this one? Well, Peterborough United, um, uh, uh, they were, uh, they probably still are actually, they've been deducted three points in um, League One, in League One, which is the third division. And they were going for a playoff place, um, competing against teams such as Bolton Wanderers for a playoff position. But they have been um, deducted three points. And it's not a massive points deduction, but with the amount of games left and where they are in the table, it, it could quite easily change their season. Um, but um, it's all to do with things going back for a couple of years. Um, this all started in 2020, uh, last year, uh, 2022. And it's all to do with these sort of backroom shenanigans about uh, they had to go to a special disciplinary committee and at the end of the day, they've been deducting three points. But it is quite big news because it's come right towards the end of the season and they could have waited until the beginning of next season, which is what they often do, or what they used to do. Um, but they didn't this time. They've actually taken the three points off them straight away. Um, but the actual the reason, I say it's all to do with um, the backroom goings on that they shouldn't really have been doing. Nothing technically illegal, I don't think, but just against the rules. Um, but it could, yeah, it could quite quite easily change. Or it has changed Portsmouth's season um, because they've got now got three point disadvantage is what they had a few well, days what, ago. What my point I, really is, is, you see, is I feel very sorry for the players. Um, you know, I would imagine the players weren't called to a meeting and said, "Shall we fiddle the the uh, accounts so that we can maybe um, you know get a better player in, and then we'll get a few." I don't think the players would have been consulted. So why? No, it's it's, it's, re it's really it's really unfair on the players. Oh, it's really unfair on the fans who've got absolutely nothing to do with it. And Portsmouth have got a very loyal following. Hang on, Peterborough, um, Peterborough, Peterborough. Oh, sorry, sorry, yeah, Peterborough. Yeah, I was, I was looking at Portsmouth for something else, actually, as well, but Peterborough, they, they've got a very loyal following. Um, and they go week after week after week, year after year after year. Their team is was doing quite well, and the players have been doing their best to get themselves promoted. Um, they might still get into a playoff position, we don't know. But to have all that taken up, to have it sort of taken away from the three-point deduction at this stage of the season because of things that have happened behind the scenes that have nothing to do with what happens on the pitch or what happens on uh, with the fans. Um, I, I think it's really unfair on um, on everybody else uh, to do with Peterborough Football Club except the people who are guilty. Or guilty. People who've been found not doing the right thing. And they're not going to be punished themselves, are they? It's going to be the fans and the players. I mean, if the players miss the playoff by by one point or by goal difference or something, and they've spent all season working for this and they have worked for it, um, they're going to... Yeah, I mean, they must be feeling uh, very angry, I would say, about it. I'd, I'd be feeling pretty angry. Yeah. If, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, and we now go to the management of the game, don't we? Because uh, if we've established that the problem has come in 
from the um, management side, then my quick way of looking at how to solve this problem is that you go to the directors and whoever the directors are, give them a fine. Because quite frankly, uh, the easy part is to just uh, take points away. But I mean, you know, uh, let's look at that punishment. It punishes the fans and it punishes the players. It doesn't punish the management who perpetrated the problem. So I now, feel... That, that's exactly the way I look at it, Vince. The, the, the people responsible are not being punished and they probably couldn't care less anyway. The people who are being uh, punished are the loyal supporters who go along and watch them, whether they're in the bottom division, if they went out of the Football League, Peterborough still get uh, all the crowd going along. And the players who don't get paid, they get paid a decent wage, let's face it, but they don't get paid anywhere near as much as Premier League players. And they've got a longer season because they've got more teams in their in their um, division. I think they have to play four to six matches uh, in, in uh, League One. And they're nearly there with a few matches to go. And the, the, the backroom boys, who were sort of like pocketing everything, um, basically throw it away from them. They, they could still get through. And if they do, um, I'm, I'm completely neutral um, on Peterborough until this came up. And I'd like to see Peterborough at least have the chance to get into the playoffs. Let, let me because just, they've worked um, hard for it. Let me just add in, by the way, that uh, where you said the back room, uh, we're not talking about the boot room. We're talking about the uh, oh, the higher echelons. You know, the the management people, and um, you know, uh, th there's another aspect of it: the manager, and you know, how much involvement managers have, and all that. But let's go to something that maybe uh, we can actually directly say: well, the the players are involved in this, and it was an incident. Um, in the Liverpool versus Arsenal game, where um, as they were coming off at half time, the linesman and uh, whatever um, Andy Robertson, the fullback of Liverpool, was saying to him, uh, he was given a kung fu elbow or mixed martial arts elbow. And um, so I'm looking at what Martin Cassidy, who is the chief executive of Referee Support UK, uh, said about this. Uh, well, first of all, he thinks a trend is developing. The official appears to have been out of order. OK, we'll agree that. And it was intentional and it was aggression. Uh, that um, and, the, and if and if it was uh, hang on, uh, if it was intentional and it was aggressive, then he needs to be banned like any other player, not for more, but the same length of time. The learnings here are what was a player doing going over and manhandling a match official yet again? I didn't see any manhandling going on, I've got to say. Cassidy, no, Cassidy also thinks points deductions would be an appropriate sanction to stop officials being abused. Money punishment doesn't work at any level of football. Uh, it's the wrong approach. We need to start deducting points. So if someone is found guilty of abusing a referee, that person's team loses points. The deterrent will there be there. In a statement released on Monday, the PGMOL, as all to do with the officials, will not be appointing Constantine Hadziskas, this is the linesman, to fixture in any uh, of the competition it, it serves while the FA investigates the incident involving the assistant referee and the Liverpool defender Andy Robertson during the Anfield game. OK, so we now can discuss another aspect of uh, refereeing because... If these linesmen, they don't really have what we would probably call the most exacting of jobs to do. I mean, realistically, there are 17 laws uh, which they are supposed to have read and passed an exam on to become a linesman. And then the physical aspect is running up and down a line and raising a flag. Now, I don't know why they've started putting these flags up so late, uh, but what are we supposed to interpret? Is the idea that we'll eventually get a broken leg by somebody that plays on when everybody in the world can see that something is offside and the flag should have been uh, raised. Now, we're both language teachers, so we know that uh, when we're using those tenses in a very specific way, we keep getting all the officials come back to everybody in their own official way. 
if the officials make downright awful, um, um, if if they make downright awful decisions, and then basically you've got people who um, are steamed up because they've been going through the likes of a very very difficult game. It's on television. It's worldwide. You've got people watching them. Um, then obviously you don't get a cup of tea and a biscuit situation um, when probably at last the steam can be released by somebody saying, hey, come on, uh, linesman, that was a rather strange decision or whatever in a very difficult uh, Scottish uh, accent, which is very difficult to understand, <laughs> you know, um, maybe in the heat of what's going on. Uh, OK, I'm trying to sort of bring a bit of reality to a situation here, Rob. What do you think? Well, Vince, um, this is uh, an unusual situation, isn't it, really, what happened there? And especially after last week, we mentioned in passing um, that a Brazilian referee had been banned for 12 matches for kneeing a player. And uh, we've never seen anything like that happen before. But then straight away afterwards, there's an altercation in the Premier League, isn't there? Um, and I didn't notice this outside. I was watching the match, but as soon as half-time whistle sort of blew, um, it went into adverts and things like that. And this was just after half-time whistle blew. And Andy Robertson trotted over to the uh, linesman, obviously to speak to him about something. And um, I've also watched this uh, back lots and lots of times, as have many, many people. And I don't see Andy Robertson particularly putting his hand on the the linesman first. But the linesman basically turns his back on Andy Robertson and elbows him in the face. Now, he didn't do it a full, a really hard elbow in the face, but it was enough. There was there was some power. It was about to get off me, that kind of thing. And the match officials shouldn't assault a player. Like a, a player shouldn't assault a match official. There should be no. Uh, but let's look at the word that that the uh, the chief executive used. Manhandle. The word to manhandle suggests that Andy Robertson has grabbed this official. And, uh, you know, we're waiting on all the other bits of evidence, but it would appear that that wasn't the case. So um, I must admit, I do get rather annoyed when I see groups of players surrounding a referee, uh, especially to get somebody sent off for something that isn't really that bad. Uh, I think, really, the problem is quite simple. The referee has not been doing his job properly because, basically, he's got a whistle. He only has to blow the whistle and hold up a yellow card and then everybody looks at the yellow card and he's got to say, hey, anybody comes anywhere near me, you get a yellow card. That's all he has to do. He doesn't actually have to give the yellow card. He can always follow that up by doing that. But it is actually stupid to... um, It's like if you were in a kindergarten... And you are the person as a teacher in charge of a group of kids aged about three or four. You can tell kids of that age to stop. Even they have got a comprehension of behavior. And the trouble is the referees, they're they're bleating, they're always going on. But they've got the power and they don't use the power. Use your blessed whistle. And they don't do it. They're still trying to talk to people rather than blow your whistle, show your card, and then threaten to give it to somebody. End of story. Yeah, there's a a lot of talk, actually, at the moment. Um, Not not just with this incident, but about the uh, refereeing situation in general. Um, And I was having a chat with my uh, Spanish mate, my uh, ex-student, Miguel Arsena, who is a referee in the Sunder Division um, until he retired um, from refereeing last year. But he's still very much into it. Um, and the, the in the Premier League, for example, uh, the Howard Webb, who, as we know now, is in the is in charge of the VAR situation, but basically he's the head referee. And he's a very well-respected man. I mean, uh, I think still think he's the right man for the job because he's 100% honest on so far. He's been 100% honest straight down the line. And he doesn't take any messing about. But they hold Zoom meetings, um, as people do these days, every week now um, before match day to, so that the other the other referees, Premier League referees, and we're talking top level here, we're not talking the sort of 
<laughs> Sunday football. We're talking about Premier League referees. Um, so they understand the changes that might have happened to the handball rule and the offside rule, for example, in the past week. Um, so a lot of managers um, don't understand the, the rules. The players don't really understand the rules because they're changing so quickly. But it's only little changes, but it does change more or less on a weekly basis or a two-weekly basis. And the referees, a lot of them are having trouble actually keeping up with what... Uh, well, this wasn't. This was classed as handball last week, but it's not classed as handball this week. And they they come in for a lot of flat, don't they? Uh, because we can all see what what happens on the pitch now, and especially with all these different angles that you see um, things from. Referees do make mistakes. Um, it, undoubtedly, they make mistakes. I mean, the people. But if a referee makes a, a glaring, glaringly obvious mistake, he might have done it as a genuine mistake. Hopefully, he will have done. Um, but they get pilloried for it. And so now what apparently seems to be happening is a lot of match officials, if they're not certain about something, um, they will let it go straight to VAR and let VAR decide for them. Um, and it's basically taking the power out of the match referee's hands because they don't like to, a lot of them don't have the confidence anymore to make a decision there and then on the spot because they know that everyone, everybody in the world um, who's interested in that particular match is going to be able to watch the, the repeat and repeat and repeat and from all different angles and see whether or not the referee was right or not. And if the referee gets a decision wrong, then I still think the referee, if he's surrounded by players, blows his whistle, holds the yellow card in the air and says, you keep hassling me, you will get a yellow card. I don't care yeah. how many of you will get a yellow card, but you will get a yellow card. End of story. And that, right. uh, yeah, and uh, and this is something that they've been talking about for uh, for years now, um, because referees used it before VAR and everything. I mean, if you remember, maybe the nineteen nineties, um, or nineteen nineties for an example of a period of football, um, the referees basically used to get all of the opposing team basically um, threatening them. Um, to change their mind and things like that. Now, the referees generally don't change their mind if they made a decision in the old days before that. But these days, they, they don't know if they made the right decision or not because it might be overruled by a higher power. But the, the players now, um, the referees are trying to get it. So it's like rugby, um, as we've spoken about quite a lot of times. Um, the only player on the pitch who is allowed to communicate with the referee is the captain. So all of the uh, communications via the rest of the team have to go through the captain. And it's a more civilised way of speaking speaking with the referee. Instead of like being mobbed, off, mobbed out by um, half a dozen players, and a lot of them don't speak, not speaking the same languages, because when they're in the heat of the moment, I mean, I don't imagine Mo Salah speaks English when he's, when he's angry and he goes to the referee. I imagine he's speaking his Egyptian Arabic version, and so the referees probably don't understand what Afam is saying anyway. Rob, and Rob, it's, got, it's, very, it's very threatening for the referee, I think. I've got to move on only because basically yeah. of the, the, the constraints of time. So, yeah, uh, so a subject we could talk about for hours, isn't it? <laughs> it, it is, of course. So let me just cl yeah. let me clear the air for a second. Yeah. Okay, so basically it's just clearing the air and we're going on to look at what was happening in the Champions League uh, because we're getting to the uh, business end now. We've got the quarterfinals, first legs being played. Uh, so tell us what you spotted this week. Well, the uh, qu the quarterfinals of the Champions League have been played over the last couple of nights. Um, on Tuesday, we had uh, Benfica playing at home against uh, Inter Milan. It was a nil two, so uh, Inter going to the second match with a two nil advantage. Man City against Bayern Munich, um, three nil to Man City. Now they've got to play down in Munich uh, in a couple of a couple of weeks' time, but uh, going in with a three nil advantage, I think, is uh, is better than they would hope for. I think um, so. That, I hope that Man City actually get through. Um, Real Madrid against Chelsea yesterday. Real Madrid 2, Chelsea 0. Um, Chelsea really didn't seem to have anything to to put, to to fight with them, to be honest. Um, and then there was a, an all-Italian uh, quarter-final. It was Milan against Napoli. And Milan won 1-0. Um, 
So at the moment, um, that's the situation as it stands at the moment. We've got the second legs coming up uh, between Tuesday the 18th of April and Wednesday the 19th of April, which will decide who goes into the semis. Semis are held on the uh, 9th of May and the uh, 9th of May and the 16th of May, the semis, and the final is eventually going to be held on the 10th of June. Um, At the moment, um, I think the way that the crosses work out, I think it could end up being a Man City Real Madrid final. Now, I think that would Personally, in my opinion, everybody has got their own teams and everything, but I think that would be probably the best final out of all teams involved. Okay, Uh, right. Well, I think we move next to Rob's La Liga, so I'll play the jingle. La Liga Roundup with Rob Daniels. Okay, Rob, so what's happening with the uh, Spanish football? Right, Vince, well, um, as we mentioned, Real Madrid have had the the midweek match with the Champions League, which they have still got a very heavy schedule on. Um, But they have dropped form um, in La Liga. Uh, They lost at home um, 2-3 against Villarreal at the weekend, um, which Villarreal are a a strong team, as we know. I mean, they've been to uh, European finals themselves. Um, the Europa League kind of uh, level. But Real Madrid losing at home, they've dropped three points after that. So uh, another three points. So at the top end of the table, all the teams have played 28. We've got Barcelona with 72 points. And then second position, we've got Real Madrid with 59 points. And there's only 10 matches left. So it, they, they've got a big catch-up of, uh, of Real Madrid if they're uh, going to do anything in La Liga. And then after that, um, it's basically who's going to play in the Champions League and get the other European places because I don't think any of the other teams have got any chance of catching Barcelona at all. At the moment, we've got uh, Atletico Madrid in third, Real Sociedad, who are having a bit of an up and down uh, season at the moment, but they're still in the fourth position. Um, I'm not sure if I, this is my followings, as you know. Uh, I'm not sure if I would like them to get into a Champions League place or not because every time they get into Europe over the last uh, 20-odd years, they've had a really bad season in the Liga because they don't have the depth of squad to to continue. But uh, if they get in, um, good luck to them. Villarreal, uh, mentioned just beat Real Madrid, they're in the uh, Europa League position. And Real Betis are in the uh, position nobody wants to be in, which is the Europa Conference League. Um, I think they might... They're trying to get out of that, I think, as fast as they can. Uh, if they're not going to go up, they're going to go down, um, just so they don't have to play that competition. But as you mentioned earlier on, or we mentioned earlier on, Valencia are having a really bad season. And they're back in a relegation position now. Uh, they got out of it for a couple of uh, couple of weeks, but now they're back in 18th position. And over the last five matches, they've only got four points out of a possible 15. So Valencia, unfortunately, look like they're going to go. They're going to go down. Um, hopefully they won't. Hopefully they'll save themselves because it is very tight. We, then we've got second bottom position. We've got Espanyol, who uh, the other team from Barcelona City. They've lost their last five on the bounce. Um, so they are not likely to uh, go very far. And then right at the bottom, we've got uh, my local team, Elche, who have lost the last three in a row. Um, but they're putting up a good. They're putting up good fights. I mean, they haven't given up or anything. And uh, they're, they're bound to get go for the drop. And the supporters are just enjoying watching their team playing in La Liga for the last few matches. They, they're not expecting them to stay up or anything. And they're, what they're hoping is to go back down to the uh, Segunda and they'll bounce back up to uh, La Liga. But it's a similar situation to the championship in uh, the Segunda Division, uh, Vince. It's very, very competitive. And uh, it, but Elche, uh, they're, in the, they're in the Liga at the moment. And uh, like I say, everybody who's their supporters are just enjoying the fact that they're there. Yeah. OK, well, let's move next to what happened to um, the Premier League games of last week. So, um, uh, with uh, furious rustling in the background, clicking of staples and all sorts going on, uh, let's look at the results as we saw them. So, we'll go to uh, the first game, I think, was uh, was it Villa and Newcastle? Was that the first game? Um, yeah, we'll say yes. Okay, so so Phil. Nah, that's next. That's next next week. I beg your pardon. Villa Forest, wasn't it? 
It was Villa Forest, the first match, actually. It was Man U Everton. That was the uh, Saturday lunchtime kickoff. OK, well, let's go to that one. Um, I thought Everton would win. You thought Everton would win. And, um, sorry, Manchester United, what am I doing? Um, so it was a Manchester United win, as we both forecast. And I'm trying to do two things at the same time. I'm very naughty, so I'm very silly. Um, what did you think of that particular game? Well, we both predicted the uh, correct result, if you like. We didn't get the exact uh, goal tally right, but we both predicted the Man United win. And, um, yeah, Man United won it 2-0. Uh, Everton, um, for my mind at least, are, are definitely um, looking very, very poor. Uh, they don't seem they don't seem to have uh, got any better under Sean Dice, to be honest, I don't think. One thing that I thought was quite interesting about that match, actually, is that uh, Aaron Wan-Bissaka, for Man United, he missed an absolute sitter. Um, the ball came to him and he's right in front of the goal and somehow he managed to knock it over the bar. And uh, he's not as bad as Salah, but uh, you could see he was he was annoyed with himself because he's a young player and he, he, doesn't, he, he still cares about what he's doing. But how he missed is unbelievable. But uh, yeah, Man United won and uh, that was the result that we predicted and I think most people expected. OK, then we go to the list as we had it then. Um, so... Uh, Giving it 100% now, I'm telling you that um, I thought that Villa would beat Forest. You thought the same, and we were both right. Villa won that 2-0. Uh, Forest look as if uh, they are, you know, they're, they're certainly going to be in the, the dogfight at the bottom of the table. But let's go to the Brentford. Look, if you look, look at where Villa are now, though. Oh, yes, Villa. above us. Well, yeah, Villa are in sixth position. Um, they have got an outside chance of getting a European place. Now, uh, before Unai Emery took uh, Villa on, um, well, a few months ago now, but they were, they were having a very, very rocky time, weren't they? They were all, also in this sort of relegation battle. And they managed to uh, change that from being candidates for the relegation uh, battle to possible candidates for a European place. I don't think they'll get one, but, uh, I mean, they've, they've turned this season around, I mean, incredibly. And I think it's because of Unai Emery and his management techniques, and he's managed to get the players um, fired up and the crowd are all behind them. And, yeah, I think it's a good time for him to be a Villa fan. Well, I mean, when you actually look at... Uh... Uh, the, the the table as it is now. I mean, it's an astonishing sort of table this year. Um, I mean, obviously, we're going to discuss uh, some of these, the more unsavoury sides of it that um, we're not going to particularly like talking about. Uh, for example, if we go to the Leeds fixture, which is going to be quite depressing for you, uh, as the, uh, well, should we say, the older guy who's been asked to go back... That's Roy Hodgson, uh, went along to your team and uh, they came up with quite a good, um, it was quite a good result, wasn't it, really? I can't remember what was the score, Vince. I can't remember that match at all. Maybe, yeah. maybe I can we help lost, you we, we lost We lost at home 1-5 to Palace, Vince. I'll put my hands up to it. Um, and we went ahead in the first half. We, we, that, what I couldn't understand uh, watching the match is that Leeds dominated the first half. Unfortunately, you can only get one goal in, and and uh, Palace got their equalising goal right on the uh, cusp of half time. So we went in at half time one all, and it must have been the team talks um, with the managers at half time that uh, Palace came out and they were a completely different team. Um, old Roy Hodgson, uh, he's got so much experience that he, I think he, he'd worked out exactly where Leeds' weak points are. And that's not very difficult because there's weak points all over the all this pitch, basically. But um, Palace came out really fired up. And it seemed like uh, Leeds came out as though, they, as though they had a 2-0 lead or a 3-0 lead already. And they didn't bother playing in the second half. And Palace got two goals in very quickly. And after that, Leeds just crumbled and it ended up 5-0. I'm sorry, 5-1. And Leeds are playing at home. And we're in a relegation battle. So, yeah, I wasn't uh, particularly happy about that on Saturday, Vince. But um, the funny thing is, is that all the teams that are below us also had bad matches. So we aren't actually in a relegation position, even though we lost 5-1. We've got, we haven't got a bad goal difference um, compared to a lot of the other teams in the relegation battle. But that is a minus four on goal difference just on one match. So, yeah, that's probably one. Congratulations to Old Roy and Palace for getting it together. And uh, Leeds, start working again, lads.
Well, well, I've got to be honest. You see, I watched this game and I, I didn't think your team was that bad. You know, which Pal- Palace came out really good, didn't they? Palace played really well. Take that. Well, I just didn't understand because they did look good and they'd never had sort of those sort of goals going in for their team, which, uh, never mind. Uh, let's go next to... Um, he's, he's got he's got something special, hasn't he, old Roy Hodgson? Um, because he's got exactly the same players as uh, as Patrick Vieira had. And I didn't think they were doing that badly under Vieira, but when you actually look at the last few results before he lost his job, they have lost the last five in a row. Um, but Roy Hodgson with the same team, He's got them fired up within a couple of weeks. He's only been there a couple of weeks, hasn't he? He's got three wins out of three matches, I think. Well, I think... And you wouldn't have thought... He wouldn't, well, I was surprised. I think, uh, yeah, it wasn't a good day, wasn't Saturday for me, football-wise. Well, I, th- I think something that needs to be said is that um, when you look at what was going on with Palace, uh, we were getting a lot of um, talk about... Um, you know, not enough black managers, uh, uh, Patrick Vieira, who we both like, by the way. So please, anybody listening in, please, it's, it, it, this horrible business of always talking about somebody's colour is not what really we're talking about. We're, we're really talking about football and the, the eccentricities of what happens because uh, I thought he was doing quite a good job and then suddenly everything yeah. seemed to go off the boil, didn't it? Yes, they did. Um, and what there has been a lot of talk about um, over, the last couple, over the last couple of matches since Old Lloyd took over is that Palace knew their fixture list um, prior to uh, Patrick Vieira being sacked. And they had a really difficult fixture list right up until when he got sacked uh, because they were playing all the, all the teams at the top end. And since then, I mean, let's face it, Leeds, I'd like to say Leeds, they're a, a top, a, one of the top teams in the division, but they obviously aren't. And now Palace have got... It's not an easy running, but the matches that they're playing are against weaker teams. So if Patrick, uh, a lot of people, Palace supporters, for example, are saying if, Pat, if Patrick Vieira had been kept on for the uh, for this period of the season, um, then he would have probably also got similar kind of results because they're playing against weaker teams. But, uh, yeah, you've got to take your hat off to all the way, haven't you? I mean... Uh, He's definitely got something special. I, I, I don't know if he's written an autobiography. I was going to have a look, actually, this morning. I don't think he has. But I think if Fulda Roy was to write down um, or get somebody else to write his biography for him, um, I'd definitely buy a copy. I think you would as well, Vince, especially yeah. if he gives away some of his some of his managerial tips. I mean, uh, he's had a fantastic career and he's still going at 75. OK, I've got to remember that we're running against the clock now. Brentford... Yeah. Entertain Newcastle. It was like a sort of top of the near end of the top of the table. Um, and uh, I thought they'd draw. You thought Newcastle would win. And so you got that one right. Well done. Um, as we go to Fulham and West Ham, uh, they, of course, fought out a, well, I thought it'd be a 2-2. You thought it'd be a 3-1 to Fulham. It was Fulham nil, West Ham won. I mean, that was a bit, that was an odd result, wasn't it? It was. That was a result that um, I wasn't expecting. You weren't expecting. I don't think many people were, even West Ham fans, because it because it was Easter weekend, wasn't it last uh, last weekend? And uh, my the London part of my family, uh, my cousin Jill, is my third guy called guy called Steve Carter, and he's a massive West Ham fan. Um, and I had a chat with Steve, and he because uh, I get on really well with him, and he's going, yeah, I, he couldn't believe it either. But they jumped right out of the relegated positions. They couldn't be back there again um, after the next match. But yeah, they, they, they were really pleased with the result. Um, I, I, I don't particularly want to see West Ham go down um, because they've got to say they're this rival with, uh, with the cousin's family so well. But so yeah, it was a surprise rule. And, uh, Rob, West I've, Ham I've, got to, safe. I've got to uh, rush through these now because we're running yes. low. Uh, right, right. Leicester nil, Bournemouth one. I got that one right. Uh, you thought for a draw. Uh, that was a good result for Bournemouth, but Leicester, of course, they are looking doomed. Captain Manring, I've got to go. One to, point of the last fifteen, Leicester. Yeah, I've got to go to Liverpool playing Arsenal because otherwise we're not going to get the salient points here. Uh, Thrilling game of sorts. I thought Arsenal were going to beat us about six 0 when they went two up. I mean, they really did look good, didn't they? Oh, they did. Yes, uh, Arsenal when they went two up. 
Um, I, I thought they were going to get uh, a big goal tie as well. But then Liverpool came back, didn't they, and ended up drawing it to all. Um, so it was, um, from a neutral's point of view at least, a very, very interesting match to uh, watch. But we mentioned, if, if, none of, if any of the listeners haven't seen it, just watch Mo Salah's penalty. I mean, he, he completely misses the goal. Completely misses the goal. Um, and he goes off by the left post somewhere. Um, and the second one he's missed in a row. And it was really obvious where he was going to hit it because his run-up was always going to take it left foot. Um, and... It's it, yes, it's money for old rope that he's getting, isn't it? Really? Well, it is. Um, okay, Arsenal. Uh, they looked totally and utterly outplayed the last part of the game. I thought. Yeah, Liverpool came back in the second half, didn't they? Yeah. I mean, Liverpool looked like a team, and I think the the, the the turning point was when one of the Arsenal players tried to intimidate um, the Liverpool player, uh, who of course has t- Trent Alexander has been under flack. For so much of the season, we all know that he's fantastic coming forward and he's dodgy going back. But I think uh, that some of the um, tackling and some of the um, elbowing and pushing and shoving, I mean, it's getting a bit silly, really. Um, that, I, was a t- that was a turning point, wasn't it, in that match, Vince? The, uh, the Arsenal player, uh, Jacka, um, had an altercation with Trent um, Alexander-Arnold and... Zach was in the wrong, he got a yellow card out of it, and it fired Liverpool up, didn't it? And they just basically, just, it, it, that, I think that they put it down, the, a lot of the Arsenal fans, that the result is Jacker's fault. Because up until then, Arsenal were dominating, and after that incident, it fired up Liverpool so much that they uh, came back and won, they drew the match. OK, listen, we've only got nine minutes left, so let's go to the uh, Saturday games and then Monday, of course, when we play at your team's ground. So give us your prediction. Villa, Newcastle, please. Right, this is Saturday lunchtime kickoff, Vince. Um, a month ago, I'd have given this uh, Newcastle all the way. The way things are looking at the moment, um, I'll put it to Villa. I'll put it to Villa 2-1. Villa 2-1, I'm putting it to Newcastle 2-1. So we've got a good, good one to look at there. Uh, Chelsea, who have been playing, of course, uh, last night, they play Brighton and uh, I think that'll probably be the Sunday game. Um, what do you think of that score? Ch- Ch- Chelsea, Brighton, Vince is uh, uh, four, well, four o'clock European kind of kick-off on a Saturday, on the Saturday. Again, you'd expect Chelsea to uh, win this, wouldn't you? On the reputations and the value of the teams and things. But they're well below Brighton in the uh, table. I don't think uh, Brighton will win this, but I think uh, they'll get a draw at least. I'll put it down as a 2 all. OK, I'm going to put it down as Brighton winning 1-0. Um, Everton down the bottom play Fulham, who are not that far off the top end of the mid-table. So um, give us your result on that one. Everton uh, are really looking really dodgy, aren't they? But full I am. I'm just looking at the table now. They've lost the last four matches in a row. So they're not having a good time at the moment. Uh, I'll put it down as a nil-nil, Vince. OK, I'll put it down as a 1-1. Uh, mm-hmm. Man City, imperious. They look as if they can beat anybody at the moment. Uh, Leicester, struggling. Is this the type of game that they can come and bounce back? What do you think? I don't think Leicester have got a chance in this, Vince, at all. Now, I might be proved wrong, and I hope that uh, Leicester fans in the Leicester fans that are listening, uh, I will be proved wrong. But I can't see Leicester getting anything out of this, Vince. Um, City could go play this in second gear and still win it. I've got it down as a 3 0 to City. OK, clo- close your um, ears, please, Leicester fans. Uh, I've got it down as a 4 0. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we've both agreed on that one. Now, Forest, uh, they're struggling. And uh, they host Manchester United. Uh, Rashford won't be available, I don't think. Um, what do you think? Well, Forest are struggling, aren't they, Vince? And um, Man United, they're not, they're not going that brilliantly, actually. They, they've sort of gone off the boil a little bit. But I can't see them losing this against Forest because Forest, unfortunately, they, the morals seem to have given up. I think they, they're all tired at the end of the season and things. Um, I think I think Manny will get this. Uh, I think they'll do it one three. Okay, I've put nil three, so we're on the same uh-huh. page. Southampton at home to uh, Crystal Palace. Will Woy of the Wovers uh, will he weave his magic down at Southampton? What do you think? Well, Southampton, uh, 
the bottom, bottom team at the moment, and uh, I think very likely to go down, to be honest. But they are very unpredictable, aren't they? So I think I think Southampton could actually do this because they're going to play the best they can in front of their home fans. And I think Southampton will do this too. Well, OK, well, I think Roy will weave his magic again. 1-3. Um, yeah. Spurs host a rejuvenated Bournemouth. Yes, now Bournemouth, um, as we mentioned over the last uh, well, course of the season, really, uh, they they don't they're fighting not to get relegated, and I don't think Bournemouth will get relegated. And Spurs, um, they're in the, they're down into fifth now, but um, they don't have any sort of regular form at all, do they? So um, I think that this will be a I think this will be a two all draw. Okay, I put it down for a one all draw, so we're on the same page again. West Ham, um, well, they host Arsenal next. Another big London derby. OK, where's that one going? Arsenal all the way, Vince. Um, West Ham are out of a relegation position at the moment. Um, but it's a London derby and Arsenal really are, are a superb team, aren't they? And I think uh, Arsenal will do so. I don't think they'll do it particularly easily. I think it'll be a 1-2 to Arsenal. OK, nil three for me. Uh, so uh, we go to Wolves. Um, having seen off Chelsea, they're now hosting Brentford. Again, Wolves are a team that uh, have changed quite a lot uh, over the last few weeks. Well, since, since um, Lopetegui took over. And um, this is a difficult one to call because Brentford are not doing that well at the moment um, although they're not going to get relegated they are losing form I think Wolves will do this I think Wolves will do this 3-1 OK I see a draw on this one um, so I've left us about three a minutes a draw yep yeah, uh, 1-1 I see uh, we've got about three minutes to look at Leeds Liverpool and predict a score please oh, th- thanks for leaving us plenty of time to talk about that one Pimsis <laughs> I really, uh, I was expecting a lot more from Leeds um, when they lost against Palace. Um, Liverpool, though, aren't playing particularly well either. And Leeds, no, we, we know that we've got to get results. So I think they've got to try and get it, at least, haven't they? I, I think it'll be a draw, Vince, to, to be honest. I think it'll be a draw, and Leeds can't score many, so I think it'll be a one hole. OK, well, I've put it down as a 2-2. Um, uh-huh. I really think that the problem is with Liverpool, um, you can't really predict anything at the moment. I think a lot of it is down to the fact that we've got players who basically, when they put the shirt on, they have to be introduced to each other now. Um, we've got people like Thiago coming back and Diaz. I mean, he could come on and score a couple of couple of goals. Um, you know, it, it just depends on whether he's match fit and all this sort of stuff, you know. So. Yeah, that, that, that newness. newness. Uh, Nunez has been a right waste of money, I would say, for Liverpool Vince. When he first uh, came, people said, oh, he's got to get used to the English game and things like that. And I came on a substitute the other day and he he, he looks like a, he looks like a non-league player, um, to, from my point of view, at least. I think uh, they'll probably get rid of him at, at the end of the season if they can. But I think he was a waste of money, to be honest, for Liverpool. Well, I mean, he, he could be a he, he could be another Jamie Vardy I mean, basically, I just don't think he's ever... We've not seen the best of him, that's for sure. But then again, does he play on the left wing? Because that's where um, Klopp's been putting him. And, and I'm not convinced that, that that's his best position. I don't, I don't think that is his natural best position, no. He looks and, more like, uh, he looks so, more like a centre forward. Klopp's trying to fit him in where, he, where he's trying to fit him into the team when he comes on, when he plays. But he's not fitting him into the team in a position that he's, he's comfortable playing in or he's particularly good at playing in. I mean, let's face it, he's a good player. He's better than uh, the better than I was at his age sort of thing. Only slightly. But it's not his best position and they're playing against some of the top opposition. I think uh, I think Liverpool, I think it was a bad decision. I wish they'll have good luck wherever he goes in the future. But I don't think he fits in a Liverpool. Well, I blame the manager. I mean, if, yeah. you, if you keep doing the same things in the same way, you'll get the same results. That's an old business um, uh, maxim. And I think that, I mean, the very least he could do, and what would make far more sense, is put Salah, who's doing nothing, put him on the left wing. OK, he scores an occasional goal, but then anybody who's goal poaching is likely to do that. Give, give him a go on the other wing and put Salah on the left wing and let's see what happens then. 
Well, even worse then, probably. Sal- well, Sal- yeah, but let's Sal- see. Let's Sal- try Sal- it. Isn't he? But, uh, but let's try but, it. Well, yeah, I mean, they might as well experiment, haven't they? Because Liverpool are not going to go down. They might get a European place, but it's looking every every match is looking more doubtful. Uh, it'd be unusual to see Liverpool not in the race for a European place, isn't it, really? But um, he might as well do some experimentation, hasn't he? Can't even see them getting in the Europa League at the moment. Uh, but if you get the, if you get the Europa Conference League, then you, that's going to be really bad for you because you've got all the extra matches and no prestige at the end of it. Yeah. All right then, Rob. Uh, once again, we have to wait till Monday to find the results of that one. Uh, but by the time we get to talking on Thursday, we'll be reviewing it, no doubt. So, yeah. once again, thanks very much indeed, Rob. Thanks for your company. My pleasure always, Vincent. Uh, best of luck on Monday. I hope you don't beat us, but uh, I hope we get at least a point. <laughs>